This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. For years, trains have been stopping in Hammond, Indiana, blocking railroad crossings for miles. Stalled trains have forced kids to climb over or under them just to continue their walk to school and have stopped emergency response teams from getting where they need to be on time. Now, since reporting by Investigate TV and ProPublica in April, railroad operator Norfolk Southern has promised to work with the city to stop stalled trains from blocking crossings and improve communications. So how have things changed in Hammond since then? Here with the details is Topher Sanders, an investigative reporter covering railroad safety for ProPublica. Hey, Topher, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, for the people who aren't familiar with this issue in Hammond, Topher, can you just set the scene? What's been happening? Yeah, for decades, it's just a problem that that community had to learn to live with, if you will. Um, and for decades, trains have come and blocked um, intersections throughout Hammond, um, but particularly in the Hessville community of Hammond. And in that community are three public schools, a, a elementary, middle, and a high school, all nestled right there next to the train tracks. And routinely, um, I'm, we're talking two or three times a week, children have had to crawl over and under trains that stop there for hours and are too long to just walk around. Mm-hmm. So the children trying to get to school or trying to get home from school or sometimes parents drive up to the train and they can't get through, so they drop a kid off and the kid jumps over the train to get to school. And that's just a, been a way of life in Hammond. And it sometimes takes outside eyes to see a thing and say, I can't believe this is the way this community has to live and that this is what parents have to just um, deal with when they send their kids out to walk to school that they have to climb over a piece of machinery that given um, all the unfortunate circumstances could just end their life in a matter of seconds. Right. And so that's that's what's been going on in Hammond for decades. Yeah, super dangerous. Uh, we talked with residents of Hammond when the issue was first reported by ProPublica and Investigate TV. And Mike Hall, who's the president of Firefighters Union Hammond Local 556, he recalled a story of when the blocked crossings actually cost someone their life. I can remember a scenario where, where a woman passed away in, in a, a fire in her home, and the first responding units made it there. Um, they reported that, you know, there's an actual fire. We possibly have a, a victim trapped. And, you know, other other responding units on their way in uh, were all stuck. They were all stuck, you know, waiting for a train. Topher, why are the trains stopped for that long in the first place? It's really an operational design. Um, and then also what, what we heard from Norfolk Southern was that that particular uh, network of tracks rolling through that, that suburb there in Indiana is just kind of, you know, where a bunch of things uh, collide. One, it's high traffic area. Two, it's, it's, a, it's an actual railroad intersection, so multiple railroads trying to use multiple tracks, and it can get clogged there on a, on a random day. But also, all the trains are waiting for entry into Chicago, which, as your audience well knows, is you know the nation's busiest um, railroad hub. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things combined mean that sometimes they sit and they expire um, the, the cruise time of service. Crews can only work for 12 hours. So if they're sitting there waiting for an open signal to get through, train sits there, and then now you have a crew change. So then you got to wait until the new crew can get into the tra- to train. So sometimes people will be sitting there and they're like, hey, there's nobody in that cab. And that's true because mm-hmm. the, tr- the, the original crew has hit their hours. 
and they're waiting to be recruited up so they can continue along and run their business. What that what that yields for this community is hours upon hours of blockage. So when we sat there and watched trains block that intersection for seven, six, uh, eight hours at a time. Yeah. So Norfolk Southern is making promises, right? They're trying to make things better. What are those promises? Well, what they have done that the community openly acknowledges has helped in these first couple of weeks of the school year. And I think they've enacted these changes in the spring, so maybe like the last week of school might have experienced these changes. So what they've done is they decided, hey, we're gonna we're not gonna stop right there on those tracks. We'll back it up to a to a to a, a station point that's further east of the city. Um, so that's one thing that we're going to do. The other thing is they say they commit to if the if we're going to be on the, the intersection and block it for more than 40 minutes, then we'll cut it. Cut it means they're going to get get their guys out of the train to come back and separate those uh, those cars so that uh, cars can go through and pedestrians can make their way through. Mm. Um, and that's that's something they said they've committed to doing. And the other thing is they created uh, a communication network, an email. Uh, connect, connection network that, in, that connects the railroad, the fire department, the police department, the school system, and the city officials all on one uh, notification chain so that when there is going to be a blockage, they'll notify everyone um, as far as they can ahead of time to let them know that there is going to be one. Those things are not insignificant. The community, uh, school system leaders, the city leaders all say, hey, you know, this is, this is great, more than we have gotten in the past. From Norfolk Southern, yeah. but then they also say quickly and in the same breath is not enough, and they they made uh, what seemed like to them commitments that a long term solution could be arrived at, and that long term solution being a pedestrian overpass. And as I understand it, what they're trying to figure out is who's going to pay for what share of that. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad to hear about the, the positive response from the community, but it's still was curious about how this would all work, right? I mean, they're committing to stopping trains from blocking crossings for more than 40 minutes when we know the original problem was these trains were being stopped for hours. So, you mm-hmm. know, how would they avoid trains being stalled for more than 40 minutes? How do you how do you cut a train? How long does that take? Yeah, that's a great question. When we've talked to people about, you know, separating a train, they've ballparked it somewhere between 40 minutes to an hour to make it all uh, safe and to lock down the other half of the train and for a conductor to conduct an engineering crew to do it and then be ready to, you know, let people pass through. It can take about an hour as we've been, as it's been described to us. We checked in again with uh, firefighters union president, Mike Hull. This is what he shared with us. He said, quote, since all the attention has been on the school children, the railroads have now closed many crossings for construction. While, of course, they explain it all as upgrades, there are many crossings closed at the same time, causing more people to rush to the next closest gates. And then he goes on to say, quote, while one problem gets attention, another begins. I've never seen so many crossings closed in my 24 year career. Again, of course, it's nothing that can be proven. But if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, my guess is it is a duck. I mean, so talk to us more, Topher, about what you're hearing from from residents since this uh, promise from Norfolk Southern and, and the the work that they've been doing in the city of Hammond. Yeah, we've heard about this construction um, notifications as well, and and all we can say is that you know our sources said, yeah, they told us that they were going to be doing construction upgrades on these dates at this time, 
Um, but you know, that, to, to be to be fair to railroad and you know networks throughout the country, those type of upgrades occur fairly routinely all over the country. And and in the middle of those upgrades, the crossings can be blocked. I have no idea of knowing if there's a connection between their commitments to back the train up and and their commitments to cut. I don't know if there's a connection between that and these upgrades. These upgrades could be. Um, could be independent of that, or there could be connection. I do not know. Yeah, and it seems that the the company's been keeping its promises so far. And, and Mike Hull did mention he's been receiving email notifications of all the closings as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that bigger commitment that's hasn't really come to fruition is this overpass or pedestrian bridge. What's happening with that? Our, our understanding is it's uh, kind of a wait and see. I think that the city officials and um, and all of those folks that work in and around Hammond are eager to to kind of see where what the railroad's willing to do on that, and I think um, that's what folks are waiting for to to see if there could be an agreement reached. Um, I think the the ultimate fear, and you you see it in one of the people that spoke to us in our story, one of the the railroad union uh, leaders, is that. There's and also I think the representative spoke to this as well. Is that throughout the country, um, community after community have spoke about um, you know promises and agreements they reach with railroads on issues like this, and then as time goes on, slowly but surely they get back to the same old behavior. So I think what you're hearing from the community is a fear that yeah it feels good today. Yeah, my kid can walk to school today without mm-hmm. being interrupted with one of your stop trains. But where are we going to be in December? Where are we going to be in January? Are you going to be? Are you going to hold to your commitments? And that's why they would like to see a permanent solution, like a pedestrian overpass, um, landed on, so that they don't have to worry about whether or not the train company is going to commit to staying, you know, east of the city or east of these intersections. Mm-hmm. They'll have a way for their kids to get to school safely. Do you get the sense that the community is optimistic, though, about that park, uh, about them following through on helping fund that overpass? Or I think I think when you speak to city officials, you know, the mayor, his team, others, um, there's a there's optimism. I think they want to be optimistic because they want this to work out. When you speak to residents, there is zero to little op- uh, optimism about it. They've you know. There are communities that have seen promises made to them from all walks of, of organizations and corporations and governmental arms and seen those promises fall away side time and time again. So I think that uh, for justified reasons, they, they all have a very wait and see, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it attitude as it comes to mm-hmm. the idea of a pedestrian overpass. Yeah, to that end, we, we checked in with resident and mother in Hammond, uh, Akisha Henderson, And she shared that, uh, quote, so far, I haven't seen it sitting there during the time that the kids are out. I have seen it sit there during school hours, though, end quote. I mean, so I wonder if it's too early to start claiming victory. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, a number of people said to us, is that they're they're happy to hear that there have been no reports thus far in this school year, this young school year. But they, too, are uh, reserving uh, their final judgment uh, because they feel like it's too early to claim success uh, on this issue. Yeah. What are city officials saying about the need for an overpass? They want it. They want it. And I think uh, the quote from the mayor uh, speaks pretty loudly where he just says, hey, this is all great, um, but we want Norfolk Southern to follow through with the commitment he feels that was made that they could arrive at some 
some uh, shared commitment on this overpass. Yeah. Have they proposed any other solutions in addition to that uh, overpass or any other long-term solutions? I think this is the one that, that makes the most sense for 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 the officials there. I know during the conversations there was some talk about an underpass, but I think there were some engineering and other challenges associated with that. But there are members of the community that thought an underpass was the way to go. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, I think the pedestrian uh, overpass for the for solving the problem of the children who have to walk to school is the solution that uh, all the folks in and around Hammond think is the right way to go. Yeah. And zooming out just a bit, Topher, I mean, this, this issue of, of blocked railroad crossings, this is not just a Hammond problem, right? No, not at all. Uh, communities all over the country uh, are dealing with this issue. Um, I live in New Jersey, and there's a community uh, not too far away from um, where I live that is also struggling with the the, the idea of block crossings and, and even their children having to, to scale a train or two uh, to get to school um, happens there. Yeah. You can go to Texas and find issues there. There are homes being burned down because first responders can't get um, to to the scene of the fire, just oh, wow. as you know, uh, Mr. Hull um, spoke about um, in your audio there. So, yeah, all over the country this is an issue. Railroads are, are aware of it. And I think that it depends on the kind of intensity of the local community's effort around resolving it is where you see um, any movement. Yeah. We've seen communities in Illinois that have, that have figured it out and negotiated with the railroads to, you know, park, in, park the train in a more rural, you know, setting versus putting it right in their community. And so, but the, the thing you'll hear other people say is that, hey, when you back that train up, you're really making it some other community's problem <laughs> when you do that. Um, so right. I think that it uh, can be a catch-22 sometimes. Yeah, that is a good point. We'll leave it there. That's Topher Sanders, investigative reporter covering railroad safety for ProPublica. Thank you so much for the update.